You're listening to Making a Druid, a Nancy Drew podcast. Welcome back, my druids, to Making a Druid, the Nancy Drew podcast that cannot be more excited to be an after show now. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. That means we are now a weekly podcast. Yes. And we're so excited because season three has finally premiered and it was quite an opening episode for season three. Um, Very fast paced. Yeah. There's so much happening. I'm excited to dive right in. But before we even get to that, hi, everyone. I am Teresa. And I'm joined, like always, by the greatest, the most talented, my partner in the paranormal, Allie. Man, she's just full of compliments today. But yes, my name is Allie. For those of you that are just joining us, because that is that is potentially, right? That's a true possibility. People could be joining us for the very first time, given exactly. that we're an after show now and not just trying to play catch up. Yeah, and if you are just now joining us, you know, you can always go back and rewatch some of your favorite episodes from seasons one and two now that those are all out there. So if you're here for the first time, thanks for joining us. We're glad to have you. Yes, we're so happy that you're joining us. We live tweeted the premiere. And so I would like to actually, before we even get to our body count, have some shout outs because we had some great people tweet at us during the premiere during our hype up session we had a live happening that people were at and stuff like that that. Uh yeah and so uh I want to give a special shout out to Kat who kept track of all the dead bodies with me (laughs) (laughs) every time there was a dead body during the premiere much appreciated as I mentioned before it will only get harder to keep track if the premieres anything to go by so I really appreciate the help absolutely I I would like to point out though I I also I also you did I did (laughs) you you did we tweeted pretty much the same thing just using different words the the concept was the same (laughs) yeah I would like to take the time to actually look at your live tweet thread and mine and like compare the two and see what did I focus on and what did you focus on I did try to do that as it was happening and we had similar ideas and thoughts and I I replied to some of your tweets being like oh my god I was thinking the same thing or Mm -hmm. yeah so I think we are given that it's only one episode we're we haven't diverged too yeah. much I will be really interested to see so this is the first season if you're new where I am not aware of anything is happening right because it's live episodes now as we recorded the first two seasons I had already seen everything that was going to happen and so really only Teresa was able to do like predictions and things like that I am super interested to see where we will diverge mm-hmm. and where will we you know, think, no, no, no. Yeah. That's exactly what's going to happen. And we'll think the same things. So I'm really, really interested to see that. Yeah. That's going to be exciting. Other shout outs, uh, like always Felix, who was, who always (laughs) tweets at us and things like that. Um, he tweeted us during the, the premiere as well. And then I wanted to give a shout out to Savannah, who this morning tweeted about yes, um, her oil thing. Her podcast <laughs> in the car. She was getting it repaired or something or cleaned or something like that. I, I 
she she was getting okay so I feel I feel this so my car is also connected to my phone via bluetooth but she went to get an oil change this morning and forgot that it would connect to her bluetooth when they went to do the oil change and she had her volume turned up really loud and so the guy turns on the car to do the oil change and all of a sudden our podcast just started blasting through the speaker which is like literally one of my favorite stories uh thanks Vanna for that (laughs) that's great I hope you asked him is he a druid if not you should tell him to listen to our podcast Yeah. Um, and then just, a, I think it's a shout out to us and to Melissa. We all got retweeted by like the, the writers. writers room. The yes. Writers I room. got a couple of likes from Kennedy too. Which I got was- one from Kennedy, but I got like three from Kennedy's mom, Lisa, which yep, we Kennedy's mom, Lisa. Special. Shout out to Lisa. She, she was very active last night and Kennedy's dad starting following our podcasts on Twitter which was also exciting. So I'm really anxious to see more people join us for this journey this season. I think it's yeah, so- be a lot of fun making new friends, but shout out to all those who have been with us yeah. from the get-go. We're, we're yeah. glad we're still here. And if you guys want to get a shout out, just tweet at us, you know, use our hashtag, uh, DM us, and we, we will give you a, a special shout out during our podcast. Yeah. And we'll give you our social at the end of our review today. So, yeah. And so before we get into the breakdown of, of recapping season two, or at least the last episode and getting into episode one of season three, the warning of the frozen heart, uh, we'll do our body count where we yep. left off. And so last season we ended up with seven and a half dead bodies um yes where, last season that's um, hardcore and i think season three is going to be worse well it was oh my god it was seven and a half total two from season one and five okay. and a half from season two. Oh my god we're definitely going to be five and a half for oh, sure, for sure. <laughs> um, it, it, given the fact that the premiere had two bodies yeah <laughs> already mm-hmm. Uh, We have that going on. We have 18 ghosties total with, I believe, eight from season one, 10 from season two. So there's a lot of ghosties. Do not ask me to do all 18. I did that in the last episode. If you're interested, though. I barely passed it. (laughs) Listen in the last episode. I don't know that we'll beat 10 this season because it looks like they're doing a nice balance this season. Yeah, it it, it feels like the the supernatural will have a, a, a... a similar feel to season one where there's like yeah. maybe two, three major things versus all of the mini ghosts that we saw. Which I'm not going to lie. I kind of like that and prefer that. I enjoyed the arcs of season one, the supernatural arcs, like the season long one. Yeah, I think that's going to be very, very interesting. With ghost sightings and just a reminder uh, moving forward, if you want to keep track with us, our ghost sightings are only if we see figures, apparitions, bodies of ghosts themselves and not just moving objects or things that like ghosts announcing themselves, if that makes sense. Because sometimes we see like a moving ball or mist or something and we're not really counting those. Or possessions. Possessions Or possessions. Unless we see the ghost itself like in a mirror or something like we did with Tiffany and Odette. Yeah. Um, in the last two seasons. So we were at 86. So as far as if I kept tracked correctly, which could be totally <laughs> debatable, we could, we could do probably debate this. We added about four in the very last episode. Awesome. All right. Like I said, uh, if you're new to us, we always do our counts at the beginning of the episode. Teresa is the keeper of the counts because I am a squirrel 
and (laughs) she, she's going to be more successful at it than I am, but I'm going to get into now our recap of what happened in the echo of lost tears, which was the final episode of season two. So previously on Nancy drew the drew crew was able to help Nancy finally rid herself of a race parasite that had been affecting her all season, which vindication, by the way, Nancy had to destroy it by accepting all of her trauma as part of who she was. And to realize that trauma makes us who we are and with the help of uh, Ace in her dreamscape, she discovered that the only way to heal is to take that trauma with her and to turn it into something positive, something like love. And Nancy has finally realized that she is ready to do that and that she wants that. And she's ready to take down some of her walls and accept all the parts of who she is. And it was a great season long look into mental health. And I really appreciated that whole storyline last season. And it was a great way to wrap it up. While in her dreamscape, like I said, she did come across Ace. She came across lots of them, but she realized that she had feelings for Ace, which we all knew, duh, but it was nice for her to realize it too. She she finally caught up to the rest of us. (laughs) Exactly. But she went to tell him, but when she got to his house, his mother informed her that Ace had left with his girlfriend, Amanda, for their road trip. So Ace and Amanda were still going strong. They're gone, but she notices that Ace seems unhappy and Ace notes that he feels like he left something behind and everyone watching said, mm-hmm, yeah, Nancy, you left Nancy. That's what you left behind. Also last episode, George realizes that she wants to live every moment she has left to the fullest. So she proposes to Nick and we did not get to see his response. We also saw Odette tell George that she's no longer going to come out. So Bess had to say goodbye to Odette and they finally get George's permission, uh, get to share a kiss with each other and she is gone. Also, Ryan has moved in with the Drews and Bess, right? They're a nice little family. After he signed over his rights as Nancy's Nancy's father, And Nancy has decided to out herself as a Hudson so she can sell all of Hudson Enterprises and give it to Everett's victims as reparations because, yes, Queen, we love a responsible heiress. We love, we love uh, someone who takes accountability. Yes, we do. Exactly. Even though it's, I mean, debatable, it's not really her accountability to take. Exactly. But it's her family. And I hope Everett is like, you know, crying about it in prison. Lastly, Myrtle Hudson, who let them borrow her antiques to save Nancy's life, turned out to be Temperance Hudson, Nancy's witch ancestor, who has actually been alive for over 100 years, disguises Myrtle. And with Nancy's blood, she makes herself young again and is finally able to enter her home, Horseshoe Bay. Nancy is reading all of this in a letter, although she didn't, well, she didn't read all that story. She just read a note from Myrtle saying, thanks, you're special. Hope we see each other again. But as she reads it, a knock sounds on the door. And that is where we left off. So let's get into our post-show recap slash after-show reviewing Episode one of season three, The Warning of the Frozen Heart.
Nancy is being interviewed by, by Penn and Teller, actually, who I actually watched their show before Nancy Drew because I was like, well, I might as well. That way I'm here watching it. And Scott Wolf was on it. And I did you not know he was going to be on it. I did not. And I was like, hey, boo, I love you. And so that was really exciting. Yeah, this entire, I, not the entire episode, but a good chunk of it. I felt was like made for you because it was like, like Carson got recognized as being a hero. He's the bachelor of Horseshoe Bay now. Like he's getting all the love. He was in Penn and Teller. Like I, I was just like, you know, it, it was a good night. If you were a Carson lover like me, then it was a good night for you. But she's being interviewed because she's hosting the town carnival now that she is like head Hudson or whatever. And it's always hosted by the Hudson's. And she mentions again that she's dissolving the company. A company She's waiting for college admission, which is supposed to come that day. So obviously this is going to be something that happens this episode. And the, the person interviewing her comments, Ryan Hudson without money, what does that look like? And we see a flashback of Ryan and Nancy and Carson at the Drew house. Ryan has spent $600 on groceries. Which is like what I spend in like three months. That's like almost my mortgage payment. And Nancy is just like completely ignoring the two dads that are fighting over the grocery expenses. And she's like, where is my sorbet? Because apparently he spends $600 on groceries, but still forgets Nancy's poor sorbet. I hate that for her. I wonder, they talked about mustard and I was just like, there's so many kinds of mustard. Did he bring all of the mustard? Apparently he did. He got every kind of mustard. They're interrupted by a knock at the door. They go to it. Both dads swinging bats, which it was a very attractive moment. (laughs) There's no one there. So apparently the past seven nights. Okay. So we, it's been a week, right? Since that knock at the end of last season, the past seven nights, there's been a knock at their door, but no one is there when they go to look. It's really interesting that they, uh, because at, at the by the end of this episode, we don't hear the three the the knocking anymore. They every time they knock by the end of the episode, there's like someone at the other at the other end. Mm-hmm. And I think being the horror dabbler that I am, mm-hmm. there are two very interesting things about this. One, the the knocks always come in threes, um, threes, and it lasted seven days. And so those number, anyone who likes horror or, you know, grew up in a superstitious Catholic household knows those numbers are important in um, Christian and Christianity, but specifically Catholicism. I will only speak on Catholicism. That is what I grew up with. And so uh, a lot of the stuff that we see in horror films, evil knocks in threes or, or does things in threes. It's a way to mock the Holy Trinity and seven days, you know, the world was kind of created in seven days, like Moses was on, you know, seven days is a really important number as well in the Bible. So I was just like, interesting that they picked a week, seven days, and that the knocks come in three. It's a very much a big horror trope that they're being used here. And I love it. Yep. I agree. But we don't see the phantom knock happen again this episode. Mm -mm. This is the last time we see it. So it stops at seven days. Yep. And so it almost makes you think that something happens in this episode that was supposed to happen as a direct result of the knocking. So Mm -hmm. let's see what happens this episode. Also in that scene, we learned that Ryan lost his watch, which was really cute (laughs) because he's like, 
I've lost my watch. And I'm like, how do you lose a watch? It's literally clipped onto your wrist. I, mean, I thought the same thing. And then the other thought that came to mind, I was like, you're going to need that watch. You spend $600 on food, $600 you, you won't have once the company's dissolved. I'm like, you better watch your things. Uh, he, he has no idea the value of money at this point. So it's going to be interesting for him this season, watching him kind of learn <laughs> how, to budget. <laughs> how to budget. Anywho. But not only that, I still think um, that giving away all of the money is a little dumb on Nancy's part because I don't think she realized how much she used, especially in season two, used Ryan for his money to do mm-hmm. certain things. And as as rich as Nick is now, that $5 million he has won't stretch for how, how expensive it's, they're- Especially if he doesn't start investing. So Yeah, and so I'm just like, girl, I, I love what you're trying to do, but I would keep maybe like $5 million for yourself. <laughs> something. So a little, not uh, even, that's a lot. That's excessive. Like at least like a million dollars for yourself or something. Think yeah. of college. Carson's yeah. broke. How are you going to pay for that? True, true. And he just spent $600 on groceries. So that's $600 not going towards your college. Not to mention Carson paid for Celia's funeral. And funerals aren't cheap either. No, so they're, they're expensive. But we do find out later that Carson has been uh, rolling in the clients recently. So I love it cuts that back him. to Nancy. She's doing the interview and they ask her what her favorite part, what she loves most about Horseshoe Bay. And she says working at the claw. And it and, and we see another flashback and she's actually working. So if you had that on your bingo card, cross that off. Nancy is actually working at the clock. It's probably was, the only time she's working at the clock. I've never actually, like, since the pilot, I don't know that I've seen her work at the claw. But she tells a group of frat boys that they can't have their cat in the claw. And the douche nozzle frat boy actually knows who she is and leaves her some sort of note. And it says, thanks for showing us your clams, Ginger. And I'm just like, one, that's really weird. And two, of course, of course, this is what she has to deal with at the claw being fan famous, right? She's Horseshoe Bay famous at least, but she goes outside and she's helping Bess redress after a one night stand. I'm like, girl, you can't even zip up before you get in the car. Like that's hardcore. I think the implication was that they had sex in the car. Okay. 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 Gotcha. <laughs> gotcha. See, I was thinking it was like an overnight thing and she was dropping her off at work. Um, it could be. It could have been that, but I took it. She was as, cute, though. She I'm was cute. Bess she has great cute. taste, but I was thinking um, that that could have been it. But that then they started having sex in the car as well, because I okay. remember gotcha. George being like, "Can you tell Bess that she can't have her?" I was at her like friends or whatever. I can't remember what she said exactly. Like part where they were front, parking because yeah. they mm-hmm. were like staying too long, and it's because I was like, "Oh yeah, they're totally at least making out." <laughs> in the yeah. car at, at the very least at the very but least <laughs> nancy is helping her because she is the judgment-free queen that she is and george comes outside and is upset because apparently nick still hasn't responded to her proposal a week later and nancy reminds her you asked him to take a week to think about it and george is like uh i didn't think he would actually do it it's because i didn't want to pity yes <laughs> and so George is very upset with Nick because apparently not only has he not answered, but he has not spoken to her, which is the problem. I yes. was like, at first I was like, 
George, you're being dramatic. Like, let him, you, you told him mm-hmm. to wait a week. He's waiting the week. But after you find out that he's been like giving her the silent treatment, I was like, Nick, do better. Not your, not your smartest moment, Nick. Nicholas. But Nancy then walks back inside. And I'm going to admit, I didn't see this one, this part, little small part last night because I was live tweeting. And so Nancy, when she walks back into the claw, she looks up and see, sees Ace. And she, we see that Ace is looking at a picture of Amanda. Oh, Amanda. And she and, just sees him. And Nancy freaks out a little bit. You can see on her face, she's like, oh God, keep walking, keep walking. And she keeps walking. So apparently she still has not told Ace anything. Well, I mean, I think that's understandable. And I'm yes. like, like, we talked, we actually tweeted about this a lot. Mm-hmm. Because there's a lot of little moments be- uh, between Ace and Nancy that kind of give the signal and not just from Nancy, but from Ace. Right. Oh yeah. And so, oh, and I will talk about all of them. Don't worry. Don't. Yeah. But this one's in, I, well, one, I can't believe you missed this one. I was like, so I was intrigued. live tweeting. Okay. I get it. But like, I was, I like, it's more of like, Oh, maybe you I missed it. Live tweeting. Or maybe, maybe we should only tweet during commercial breaks. Maybe. So it was just a nice moment, right? A nice moment where you're like, oh, okay. So she still hasn't told Ace anything, obviously, because if she had told Ace, then they would be together, obviously, because Ace loves her too, but whatever. And it cuts back to Nancy to her interview and she ends the interview with the line, you have to leave home if you want to grow up, right? And so it's very apparent that this is going to be the theme of the episode when it comes to Nancy's personal journey, right? Yeah. The idea of, can you stay home? Can you stay where you grew up and become the person that you were meant to be? So, and it's a really interesting question because I think everybody at that age, well, maybe I'll leave even a little younger, right? At this point, Nancy's almost 20. So most people have this question at, at the end of high school when they're trying to decide where to go to college if they want to go to college if that's something Mm -hmm. that they want to do if you want to go away do they want to stay close to home and it's a really interesting thing right because I think I feel like culturally or and socially there's the expectation that you have to go away to become a real adult like there's no way for you to grow into adulthood and to grow into your own person if you are still deeply connected to your home life but I also want to put that out there's a very American way to look at things and yeah <laughs> um and it's just like so interesting because I mean the way and how it, this episode ends like clearly she comes to a different conclusion than what she's starting off with but mm-hmm. honestly this was my first hint that she was not going to get into Columbia yeah with this line I was like oh so she's obvious. not going to leave home Okay. (laughs) It was either she wasn't going to get into Columbia or she was going to get into Columbia and she was going to do online or turn it down or something. I was going to, I, my original, and I don't remember if I talked about this in the previous podcast, because it felt like a small prediction, but like my original thought was that she was going to get into Columbia and decide not to go. Yeah. As a way to me, that felt like not that her not getting in won't have an emotional impact. So I might just be going in a different direction. But in my thought process, when I was thinking about that, it felt like it was a stronger indication of her choosing Horseshoe Bay and staying home and picking this life versus being forced to stay. Yeah. yeah. Um, but they might just be going in a different overall direction yeah. with that particular decision. Yeah, we'll see. We'll see. We'll see where that goes. But 
It then Nancy is finished with the interview. She's at the carnival, obviously. The Drew crew is all there helping her set up because they're great friends. And apparently the Hudsons have been hosting this carnival since the 1800s. But this is the first year all proceeds are going to Everett's victims, again, for reparations because Nancy is a queen. Yes, she is. So Beth says the carnival must be at least keeping your mind off of Columbia because she still hasn't received her acceptance letter. And she's like, yeah. It was. And Ace immediately is like, really, Bess? Really? Ace was like, you may be my platanker, but in this moment, you're a disappointment. <laughs> exactly. But I love that it's Ace at that moment who is like, okay, I'm going to go talk to her because obviously she needs someone to talk to. And he asks her, he's like, are you really ready to leave so soon? And obviously he is bothered, right? He is bothered that she is leaving. I just want to point that out there. And even though he is not, he is not projecting that to her as an audience member, you can tell dude is bothered, but she says that she wants a refresh. And he says, you know, I hope it's not a permanent refresh. And she says, no, that would be impossible. You know what I found the cutest thing in this whole interaction what? She, she used computer-based analogies because she was talking to Ace, like speaking his language. That's true. And I thought that was adorable because there's clearly more well-known ways of expressing yourself that you want to like start over somewhere else yeah. because this one has too much baggage for you. Yeah. But instead, he, she's like, clear my browser, like <laughs> just clear my yeah. history. You know? <laughs> so even though Ace was looking at pictures of Amanda earlier, Ace is still grappling with feelings that ace doesn't quite realize that ace has yet yeah because it's still so so soon from the ray thing he could easily say that this is just worry about her health about yeah her coping with trauma as a friend right and so it's going to be really interesting as she proves that she's because she seems pretty normal in this episode like she's back to being herself after everything after a Uh, season of yeah. OOC that yeah, turned out to be um, for a reason so and so uh it's gonna be interesting as like the season progresses to see Ace come to realize like oh no like she's totally fine I'm overreacting why am I overreacting <laughs> exactly and you know we'll talk about that more when we get to predictions we talked about it a little last night too but yeah it's so everywhere Nancy, I love it <laughs> I know Nancy enters the maze And we see a creepy figure in a hat behind her. She does not see the creepy figure. We just do. But she's decorating the maze and she sees a body in the corn. All right. And she screams. The Drew crew all comes running after her. Ace is at the front. I just just need to point that out also. And the body, we get a close up. Its heart is gone. And the cavity from which it was pulled was frozen and you can tell it's frozen too right there's no blood anywhere like there's no blood anywhere and there's like even and if this is i want to give like a shout out to like the makeup department uh Mm -hmm. or props department or whoever made that because there's like specks of ice like it's like blue and sparkly like if it was like yeah on the and there's like a small pool where it's melting yeah and it it was so well the details of this corpse was so well done it really was. So we have our first dead body, ding, 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 of season three. Man, and that was before the opening credits. Yeah, it was so fast. <laughs> so if that's any indication of where we're headed this season, 
Teresa's going to be thrilled because she loves dead bodies. I love a good dead body. I know that sounds strange, but as I'm sure you could tell, given my true crime fascination and my dabbling in horror. (laughs) After the opening, we're back at the claw. Nancy is in the locker room and they're kind of going over everything that they know. So the body was moved after death. We find out Tamora is out of town working on Everett's case. So again, Tamora is not in town this season. So yeah, which is a, such a great way to write out a character. Like it is, and I will just say this: I hope our new police friend stays. But something tells me he will not. Not just because of you know what he's bringing to the table in terms of like the love triangle, and we'll get there. But also, like they mentioned that he is a specialist visiting from Boston. And so I feel like at the end of the season, we might have to say goodbye to this cop too. And it might become a recurring thing, right? <laughs> it might be like a running joke. And uh, let's be honest, the new guy whom I already am halfway in love with, I'm not even right? going to lie to you. Yeah. Um, well, it was like John, who plays him, is, is a serious regular on a different show. <laughs> Yeah, that's that's true. So, so I don't think I don't, don't want to get attached, but I also already kind of love him. But it's also interesting, right? Because it's confirmation or it's like a possible confirmation that he's literally only going to be used as an obstacle for Nace, right? Like it's like we don't have to worry about him. We can just like him without worrying that it's going to ruin or that they're going to go mm-hmm. in a different direction than they have been planning for any reason. And that's that's a good point because traditionally with love triangles it's usually like there's a genuine concern, right? And there's Mm -hmm. a genuine like fight over who will win. But I don't feel like that's the direction that they're trying to take this. No, and and, and it's one, again, I tweeted it out this morning because I was giving (laughs) Agent Park and John all of my love last night. But um, I I was like, I'm part of Nace Nation, I promise you. Um, and this is like reassuring to us that we, well, what we see is a story intentionally written to be a compelling love triangle for the start of a romantic relationship between Nancy and A. So it's like a genuine yeah. love triangle and it's not going to be about, it's not going to be a gross competition of boys fighting over a yeah. girl or, you know, a girl being indecisive. And she's like, I love them both, which can totally be possible. I'm not saying you can't love two people, but <laughs> But it's never done well, it's is what done. I'm trying to say. And it's never done well. And <laughs> and it feels like last season, right? We knew, even though Ace and Amanda were together, that the end game was going to be nice. Like, we never yeah. worried about it. So I don't understand why we worry about it this season either. And again, the Drew, uh, the writers and stuff, they're they're all very, very transparent. So nice fans out there, I wouldn't worry too much. It's obviously being used as a vehicle to get them together. But in the meantime, we can appreciate the beautifulness that is agent park however in this moment we don't realize any of that yet because we're just learning that tamora is out of town so (laughs) bye tamora and so nancy feels like she has to figure out what happened with this murder specifically because it was on her family's land and i'm like girl you were gonna figure it out anyways don't pretend otherwise don't pretend she was looking for an excuse because according to her she's ready to move on but is she (laughs) no but so they realize also that the dead body, the guy was a tourist. He wasn't staying anywhere in town. Nancy finds that he had pine needles and a couple of other things in his sneakers. So he was probably camping. Ace comes in. Connor the coroner. 
<laughs> has given them information, which he says is a one-time favor for saving his it's son from an evil entity. And I'm like, uh-uh. it won't be. It no, won't be. It will not it, be. And, and the, I knew that, but- the very fact that he said this is a one-time favor means it's not a one-time. It favor. won't be. And I knew that even before we saw the preview to the next episode, where they're where they're literally hanging out with Connor. I'm just. Like, so I haven't seen the preview to the next episode. You have it? <laughs> no, because I was waiting until we did predictions. Mm-hmm. I did not let that influence me at all. I didn't predict about anything like that. Sure. You can. Sure. I I stayed within the temp the temperance <laughs> reign because <laughs> we didn't all really right. see her. Well, Connor the coroner has let them know that the heart is missing from the body, but that it was frozen solid before being ripped from the body, to which Nick says, that's grotesque, but also useful to know. <laughs> so glad he was the one to say it because I feel like they always give those kinds of lines to like ace or best. Uh-huh. And it felt weird hearing it from Nick, but I also loved it because it kind of shows you that they've been spending a lot of time together. <laughs> And also it shows you that Nick is coming around. He was always the one that was like, I do not invite this into my life. And now he's like, I accept this for what it is. It is gross, but also that's useful. Thanks, dude. Like, <laughs> because he's just accepted it at this point. So it now is that what it is. season three, it has been accepted by Nick. Bess is not there. She's on a coffee date and Jesse walks in and Jesse is now working apparently at the claw. And she's going to cover Bess's shift. And we find that Victoria is in China. And I'm like, so somebody just give me some Victoria. I haven't seen her in ages. I miss her so much. And- I would give my left organ, like my kidney or something, to be able to see Victoria again. And the thing is, is that last season she would have been so helpful. <laughs> right. But Nick leaves without saying anything to George. So Ace and George kind of go on a walk together. And I love this. And I tweeted about it last night. I was like, Ace and George, this is great. Because you never really see Ace and George team up, right? Yeah, that's true. But they go on a walk and Ace is kind of comforting her. And he tells George that, you know, Nick doesn't see it as like, she thinks he's maybe Nick is upset that she did the bait and switch, right? Where she proposed and then said, but I only have 10 years to live. And Ace is like, Nick's not upset with you. And he says, silence doesn't mean he's not thinking about you. And immediately turns and looks at Nancy. And I'm like, man, y'all are just not going to be subtle this season, are you? No subtlety involved. If None this, if this episode's all. any indication, they're going to be so loud that we might even get annoyed a little. <laughs> I mean, right? <laughs> this whole episode, and I'm like, Damn, we are really getting things left and right this episode. I'm not complaining. Don't take this as a complaint. Drew Crew Riders, you can keep it up. I was very satisfied last night. Yeah, but- it's, it's interesting, right? Because we've seen that they're not, well, at least when it comes to like Ace and Nancy, they're not technically silent because they're speaking to each other, not in the way that Nick and George aren't really speaking to each yeah. other. It but was they metaphorical. aren't saying anything and that's the silence right that it's all superficial like nancy's not being honest with ace in order to like protect everybody she's trying to respect everyone's spaces and relationships and ace doesn't know that he's being silent because he's not really aware of the depth of his own feelings yet which is i find hilarious which we're gonna get there i love a good girl falls first boy falls falls harder trope um love that for us it's gonna happen too it's gonna be so Anywho. good Nancy is talking to a local Darlene and she's asking her, have you seen anything weird? And she's like, no, not since the blackout, you know, a week ago, which we know was 
temperance, right? And they hear a scream and there's a message painted on the wall saying they have 12 hours before the next murder happens. We now have what appears to be a serial killer in Horseshoe Bay. So they go back to the Drew house and Nancy wants Ryan to help her investigate this murder since it's potentially Hudson related. And Ryan is so freaking excited. He's like, wait, what, what, huh? You want me? Are you sure? I mean, I mean, yeah, yeah. Hold on, hold on. Let me get my stuff. Hold on. I got shoes. I, I, let me put on shoes. Like he was so excited. See, and I just, one, Ryan clearly doesn't have a job because he was just sitting there. Lounging on the couch. Lounging on the couch, just waiting for someone to knock on the door. I hear the claw might be hiring. Oh my God, that would be hilarious actually. Wouldn't it you be know great? what I was thinking um, is I hope that he helps Nick with his youth center. That would be great. I do. I agree. That would be a good one for him. But he um, is really excited to help Nancy for her murder. Yeah. And and I just, I don't know why it took Nancy this long to invite him along when we've seen his capacity to be helpful. Yeah, to like investigate he, for sure. Yeah, he, he has an ability to... Though he kind of fell into his own trap, right? His dad planted these clues for him to find when it comes to that episode 16, I believe. But he was able to piece them together, right? Yeah. <laughs> Which is impressive. He's, he he's, has deductive skills. Yeah. And he has outsmarted Nancy once or twice before based on his mm-hmm. own life experience because his life's been different than hers. And so when she like almost qualifies her asking of him like oh it's because it's a Hudson related thing I'm like why did you do that like you should just invite him along he he's useful like he has knowledge that you don't have let your father help you exactly but she does though she invites him this time and he's very excited about it we see them best with her coffee date and it is not going well they are not compatible because her date thinks that glamping is not cool and Bess is like why do you hate progress but Ace pulls up very aggressively in Florence and it was attractive and he tells her that there is an emergency at the claw and people are lined up out the door and immediately you know he's lying because it's the claw and he's like chef Jamie is threatening to go back to France and like chef who so obviously he is rescuing Bess from the bad date. Yeah. And she gets in. She's like, drive, drive, drive. And it was so bad. She was like, I was so worried you'd forgot what happy belated birthday meant. And Ace said, I would never forget your signal for extraction. <laughs> <laughs> you missed one of my favorite things he said in that scene is like, oh, what was, chef, it? was it Chef Jamie's starting to go back to France? He, the man's never, been, never to been, France, been to France, Bess. <laughs> and it was just alex delivery because the line itself isn't that funny but the way he delivered it alex a lot of his lines are based on like his delivery of them like anyone else who did his lines would not be as funny it wouldn't be as funny and it's just just like his his delivery it was and it's everything because he's on like comedic beat but the tone i don't know if it's the tone of his voice or what he does but the tone is hilarious and also just his character like his like personality his character's personality but anyways best wanted some uncomplicated fun and that girl did not so they were not compatible and ace and again another anvil he says some people like to ease into things before they get more serious 
<laughs> I'm laughing. You can't hear me because I'm hiding my face, but I'm just but, like, yeah, she's, she's but also laughing. I'm like screaming at my TV last night. You didn't do that with Amanda. That's what I was thinking. And I wonder if that's his thought process. Like this, did this come from, because he like went in head first with Amanda and now he's kind of having his regrets. Well, and yes, yes, I, I do. I do think that. And it's, it's just funny to us, right. As an audience, because it's so apparent that Nancy and Ace are like a slow burn. Mm-hmm. And so this is the epitome of a slow burn right here. Like this entire line. Yeah, I hope it doesn't burn too slowly. <laughs> nah, I'll, I'll get to that in my predictions. But I think by the end of the season, I, I definitely I think with the speed at which they are going now. Yeah, they're pretty much full speed ahead. Nancy and Ace feel like a three season slow burn. Bess is sad because she's been avoiding Sirius after Odette. So she is very much still not over Odette. She's looking at Ace's trunk and she finds a package with a weird label. And it almost looks like a deformed QR code for those of you out there who know what QR codes are. And he says it's an errand that he agreed to run. But before we can figure out too much about it, Nick texts with the murder victim's location of where they were staying. So they found the murder victim's tent in the woods. And the entire Drew crew is there, plus Ryan, which I love that he's like now the like unofficial sixth member of the Drew crew. (laughs) And... Ryan's like, we should call the cops. And Nancy's like, sure, I will. After I look around first. And it was such a Nancy thing to say. So they find the guy's license. He's from Alabama. His name is Matthew Burke. And he has Bible verses and a lot of other really weird phrases and sayings written all over the tent on pieces of paper. And Nancy comments that it's almost like he's writing things down to make sense of him. And noted that he drove from Pennsylvania in a day. And so, honestly, what this made me think of was, again, another Smallville reference. I, for those of you that have watched Smallville, was Lionel when he started to receive visions from Jor-El in Smallville. Oh, yeah. And he started to write things down. And it almost makes me think that something that happened with trig- with temperance the week before triggered something in this guy. And now he's receiving like visions or something. And that's why he's been like researching the Hudson's and he came to Horseshoe Bay. I, yeah, I don't know. Something along those like prediction like, territory. Yeah. Right? And, and, I'm, and this probably is leading in that same line of like probably prediction territory but i can't help but wonder if this is similar to the kinds of visions that uh mrs bopsy had and whether yeah. or not they're connected at all it does mm-hmm. i mean it seems unlikely given that the bopsies are from horseshoe bay but it, that's what it reminded me of and it really um made me think about it even more given that one line that I think happens later when they're shopping their to-do list. And um, I think Ace says that Gil Bobsey is looking for his mom. Oh, and yeah. I wonder if I, that could be a totally a throwaway line just to explain why Gil isn't around. But I'm also hope, thinking like, oh, is that like foreshadowing of her coming back because of something like this? Yeah. So they found his tent. They find a lot of clues. And they find that he is researching all of the Hudsons, including Nancy. So- Nancy goes to the police station. She's called in the campsite on the tip line. 
She's there, though, to find out the status of her application for community police police liaison. And the cop that's there tells her, you know, well, the vote's not technically until the next week. So you're not going to hear for a while. And she's like, you know, that job is mainly just relaying notes from the city council to the police. And Nancy's like, well, I'm really applying for a lot of volunteer opportunities just in case I'm waitlisted from Columbia. But she sees a guy in a suit. We only see his back. So obviously this is our way of knowing that he's going to be very important. And we learn that he is the FBI profiler in from the field office in Boston. And he is giving a briefing. And Nancy says, can I listen in? And the cop's like, you're so funny. But Nancy turns around and uh, runs into a girl who drops a tablet And we see on the screen pictures from the crime scene. So in that little snippet right there, we get a couple of things. We get one that Nancy has applied for this position, right? Community police liaison, which, I mean, I knew when this dropped that one, she was going to get it. And two, it was going to be her unofficial way of having access to the police station. Mm -hmm. And two, we meet Detective Park. From afar, he has a very attractive back. He does. He, he's, he's very attractive from behind. But <laughs> she calls Ace, and they really don't have anything important lead-wise. Nancy tells him that she saw the autopsy photo on the tablet, and he had a moth on his pants that she didn't notice at the crime scene. And it's <laughs> this part cracked me up. She's like, I actually recognize that moth. It's a really rare form of moth that's only found outside Icarus Hall, blah, 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 blah. I'm like, of course she remembers this. Of course there's space in her brain for her to put away details like this that she you know, across. I was like, you know what it made me think of? That one scene, actually the scene with uh, the episode with Connor and his kid, um, where I was like, Carson has a book, a nature book. I was like, did she spend her like after that particular case? Did she just spend her time memorizing the it book? It shows a flashback of her reading books in Icarus Hall. And so I think it was actually a book she had read in Icarus Hall uh, last season in but Celestial like, Visitor. Yeah, I was just like, but that's what it reminded me of. I was like, she is the Carson's daughter, you know? Yep. So Nancy is going to head to Icarus Hall. Meanwhile, Bess and Ace say they're going to finish their to-do list first. And Bess asked Ace about Amanda. So apparently Amanda is still on her hike. And she's like, you know, is that creating any distance problems? And Ace is like, no, but her dad got an early release and I gave him a ride. And now he's asking me to do him favors and deliver him these packages. And And Bess immediately says, Ace, this is how you create a mark. Like, this is how you reel in marks. And if you could believe anyone, you should believe Bess. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. A, she's like, have you told Amanda? And Ace says that he's texted Amanda, but she hasn't responded. She's summoning something. I think I didn't understand that part. I think it's like some version of like climbing or something. That's how summiting. I took it. Summiting. 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 I thought he said summoning. And I'm like, that's what I thought. Is, my Amanda, like, is Amanda like into witchcraft now? like summoning spirits possible like, possible but um I underst- makes sense though summoning yeah okay I I heard the same thing the first time I watched it it wasn't during my it wasn't until my rewatch that I was like oh she's climbing okay gotcha summiting <laughs> and Gil is not in town because like you said he's in New Mexico looking for the mom so both Bobby twins are like 
off campus. Bess is now really worried about Ace. I'm really worried about Ace. He promises to stay on his guard. But like we, as we see in these coming like scenes in this episode, this is already something that is on the radar of the DA. So mm-hmm. we, we hashtag save Ace. We've got to, we've got to save Ace from the Bopsy dad. But back on Icarus Hall, Nancy is there. She brought Ryan with her. <laughs> And they're looking around and talking. They hear a noise and Nancy tells him, oh, it only looks haunted. Last time I was here, I de-haunted it or whatever. And he says, oh, cool, cool. (laughs) The dad's confused because this happened for both Carson and Ryan a couple times in this episode as they try to like keep up with the supernatural is hilarious. Yeah, and now that they're in on the supernatural stuff, the kids just drop things all the time. And they're like, wait, you didn't know about that. But- I, this line, I don't think they put this line in there to bother people, but this line bothered me where Ryan talks about how, well, before I went to college, I just wrecked my dad's Bugatti, blah, 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 blah. But then he got into college anyways. And I was just like, oh God, the privilege, the privilege. I think that's the point of that. They're, they're trying to really, I think this episode was really to highlight the, all of the the privilege that Ryan has that he has to now not be accustomed to because he won't have the money to do some of this stuff. And I th- yeah, I know, I know. And then also it's a call, you know, to Nancy later when she doesn't get into college and like, right, she doesn't have the same privileges or whatever. Mm-hmm. But it just, it makes you a little upset, right? To n- realize that Ryan got into the college he wanted to go to because he had money. Whereas Nancy, we find later on, did not get into her school of choice even though nancy is like a great candidate for columbia so any not according to columbia (laughs) well it's a throwaway line technically but you know she ryan realizes that she wants to go to columbia to live somewhere normal and she says that she wants to go somewhere that she has space to grow up so again we're on this theme of can you grow up the way that you would like to living in your hometown but they turn the corner and they see the figure in the hat that we saw earlier and all of a sudden a hooded figure jumps out and destroys it with their blood and they take down their hood and it is temperance hudson who nancy immediately recognizes and ryan says have you two met and temperance says actually we have and she explains how she was myrtle and she says at the end of her explanation I'm Temperance Hudson. T? And she walks out. And what an entrance. What an entrance. I'm going to love her so much. It was like pretty damn epic. She's so cool. I'm already, between her and Agent Park, I'm like in love with both of them. I can't be fully in love with either of them because half of me belongs to Temperance and the other half belongs to Agent Park. (laughs) I do. I love Temperance so far and I love her already. She just the way that she explained that she was Myrtle and she took all Nancy's blood and became young again and came back to Horseshoe Bay after seven generations. And she's just like, so yeah, that happened. Anyways, did you want some tea? Duh. Like, like it was no big deal. And Nancy and Ryan are just staring at her like, the fuck? The other question we have to ask ourselves is, is the guy in the hat a ghost of some sort are we counting these as ghost sightings and an added like do we have our first ghost well two he's been here twice or are we assuming he's a man i don't know i mean seems kind of ghosty he temperance got rid of him with smoke 
Yeah, so, that's what I'm thinking. Because I always as, count them as ghosts. As ghost sightings in the, our first ghost of the season. Because, he also just disappeared. Because the first time we saw him in the maze, I thought, oh, it's a person that Nancy just didn't see. But yeah. then this time I was like, wait, <laughs> I don't think it's a person anymore. Yeah, I, I do. I think it. I think it's some sort of supernatural something. I would count them as ghost sightings. They apparently summoned the whole Drew crew to Icarus Hall and they're questioning temperance. And she says that she wasn't really dead when the women in white killed her because she knew she was coming. So she dosed herself with a revival hex that caused her to revive sometime later, but that it aged her prematurely. But she's like, I didn't care though. I cheated death. And then since then, she's been using magic to keep herself alive. And Ryan has a great line. He said, okay, nobody drink the tea. <laughs> and I was like, how is that not obvious from the get-go? Like you have this person in front of you who's been alive for over a hundred years and you're going to drink her tea. Well, I mean, you don't really know that she's evil, evil until she's like, I love playing with death. And you're like, oh, so you're that kind of evil. Okay. Don't drink the tea then. Cool. Cool. They're like talking about the women in white temperance calls them snowflakes. I kind of love it. And I do too. And she says that they kicked her out for dabbling in risky magic, AKA probably dark magic. And she's like, I'm just back into Horseshoe Bay because this is my home. Like I, I want to be here. This is where I'm from. Like, and it's such a contrast, right? I was going to say and that. Nancy, who is like dying to leave Horseshoe Bay. And here you have Temperance who is like, no, this is my home. Like, I want to be here. I belong here. I'm connected to this place. Yeah. And, um, and, and it is such a contrast, but it's also interesting to note that like, well, temperance has been gone for 172 years. So it could be argued that she did her growing her in quotations. Right. Because I was like, true, she true. but she never wanted to leave horseshoe <laughs> in the first place. She got yeah, kicked she out. She was forced out. So again, interesting because Nancy not uh, kind of was forced her hand was forced to stay she she learned to accept her fate but like and she's happy about it at the end and temperance was forced to leave and was not happy about it yeah we then have my favorite line of the episode by the way where ryan says something about like yeah yeah before you stole my daughter's blood to make you young again and she says to be fair she was done with it (laughs) i died i died when i tell you i died she's gonna give ace a run for his money for basketball i just so i love temperance already i love her she's great but oh my god they all start to pick apart her story because she's like we should work together to figure this out i mean he's stalking my home like obviously so i want to figure out who this person is too and Beth says he that guy could have just been like an illusion or a trick of yours right and she says, because Beth says you made the Wraith. And she's like, the Wraith was a regrettable decision, but I don't know who that guy is. And Nancy says that they can't tell the cops that Temperance is a suspect because how would they believe anything, she says. But Temperance says, you know what? You do you. You know, if you'd like the truth, how about we play a game? And she takes out her tarot cards And she flips them over one at a time. And we get six predictions because there's six people there. Drew Crew plus Ryan. She says that one of them will be the other's demise. One will betray their true love. One will lose their heart. One will wreak havoc on Horseshoe Bay. 
One will forsake what is dearest to them and one will fulfill their destiny, but that will cause the rest to fall. So all of these are pretty terrible. Let me just say the lose your heart one is a little bit more dire because, well, um, people have literally been losing their hearts. This could be metaphorical, could mean someone's going to be a victim of the serial killing and we can't use the shroud again, unless it's George, maybe it's George. <laughs> then we can use the shroud again. It'll be fine. But I want, difference, but, like but I the, said, she's going like, to be great. Will it like how does it cancel each other out? Like she uses the shot on George again. Does that mean it doesn't work because the person who last was used it on dies? Like, does it? I don't know. I don't want to find out really. Okay. <laughs> I don't want to find out. Back at the Drew house, Ryan is cutting vegetables and Carson then is correcting his cutting. And it's not important at all, but it was hilarious. And it's important to me. Okay. This scene was it's important, important to because me. I love that Carson is training Ryan to dad. It's great. It's not only that he, it's not even to dad anymore. Carson's training Ryan to be human, to human. It's that's also a person true. because, um, not, a, it doesn't, you don't need to be a dad to learn how to cut a mushroom. No, but Nancy tells best. She doesn't think temperance is the, the frozen heart killer because she doesn't really have a motive. And Bess is like, well, she, you know, she could have seen them as a threat since they were investigating Hudson's. And I'm like, my dude, she's temperance. I don't think she gives a fuck. I agree with Nancy. I also agree. And it simply the method of she temperance is a witch. She could kill people many different ways. This particular method seems very human, like very na not natural, but like very, uh, yeah, very human. Yeah, connected to human methods. Yeah, very ritualistic yeah. in a serial killer human kind of way, you know? <laughs> yeah, definitely not. I don't think it's temperance. But I don't oh, think so yeah. either. <laughs> so Ryan mentioned that Carson has a lot of new clients who are women with baked goods because apparently now he's the most eligible bachelor in Horseshoe Bay because he saved Lucy's baby and that's hot <laughs> I love that for me I love that for me as a uh hashtag Carson True defense squad member um <laughs> that everybody is now seeing the value of Carson the way I always have I'm just throwing that out there and so Carson though says that he's not ready for anything else and then we have a knock at the door and it's Gene Rosario who we found last season is right the DA of Horseshoe Bay played by Erica Sarah sup Nice to see you again. Love you. <laughs> and so she has brought him a gift. And before she can even explain what it is, he's like, you know, I'm flattered, but I'm really not interested. And she says, did I miss the part where I asked you out? Because the gift is actually a box of chocolates being used for local criminals to communicate via hiding messages in like through an analog courier. And so we as the audience immediately realized this is the same type of package that Ace had earlier and that Ace is the courier and that the DA is on his track. So hashtag save Ace. What are we going to do to save Ace? We've got to get him out of this situation. I do not need part, Ace. Or unless he's going to serve community service with Nancy in the morning. <laughs> the worst part is that, I mean, I guess it might not be official, right? Ace technically has a criminal record. Yeah. 
technically. So this, technically, and I can't remember if McGinnis wiped that or just took so him out of like- they never charged him. Yeah. So I was he like, kind of swept it under offense. the rug. It would technically be his first offense. My concern would be, would if the DA found out about Ace, then start digging and find where McGinnis swept it under the rug. Yeah. And then that could be detrimental. Um, not to mention, I just, I don't, I don't like it. I don't like this one bit. I, someone's yeah. Hashtag save Ace. Hashtag save Ace. We're going to start using that hashtag just so you guys know. So join us. It's going to be hashtag Nace rain kiss. Hashtag save Ace. Yes. Save Ace with the Nace rain kiss. I'm good. So she wants to question one of Carson's clients. And if he does, she'll offer him a deal. And so Carson says, sure. I'll recommend that he cooperates. And she mentioned something about her being old fashioned because she came to visit him instead of calling him. And I'm like, oh, cool. So is Carson. You'll be perfect for one another. Hashtag Carson drew love interest. Yeah, yeah a good one. Not Karen. No, Karen. Yeah, no, Karen. Karen. Was um, but also I want to point this out that I said romance between these two since season two when she was. You did. Interest. She did. If you didn't get to hear it, go back to last season to the episode where Nancy recants her story because that's where we first see the that's, DA. That's, uh, I believe... The Trail 15, of the Missing Witness. 14, yeah, 14, 15. It's um, the Grant one, The Trail of the Missing Witness. Yeah. Ryan, Bess, and Nancy figure out that Temperance did not write the message on the wall, that the message on the wall was actually written by one of the frat boys from The Claw earlier, which I knew immediately, she goes to the police station, but I knew immediately that he was not the killer no that's why when everyone was like of course she knows i was like does she because <laughs> i'm not convinced <laughs> well she heads to the police station and we see detective park aka hot police dude and he says so you're the local who's been calling in tips and he starts to say something but nancy cuts him off and she's like listen before you write me off here's all these amazing things that i've done and i'm awesome and I said, good on Nancy for recognizing her self-worth. Yeah, especially after a season where she was just like questioning everything about herself. Yeah, like, exactly. And, and so, so Nancy I was like, is back and ready to play, y'all. She was like, don't mess with me. I'm so tired of having to prove myself to you police types, especially male ones. Like she was like, not having it. Yeah, she was not having it. I appreciated that. I specifically was loving like Park's reaction as her. She was like listing all of these uh-huh. things. He was like, off. Oh, okay. okay. He's like, okay, okay. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. <laughs> he seems both half impressed and half uninterested, which when we find out that it's because he already knew everything. Yeah, exactly. Makes He's, made much more sense. <laughs> exactly. At, the, at first I thought he was just kind of writing her off. Yeah. She was saying these things and I was like, oh, okay. That's cute then. But he tells her that the teenagers were just vandals, right? That they didn't actually weren't commit the murders. And that both of the two friends threw the third friend under the bus. Dustin is the third friend's name. And they're like, he did it. And Dustin is apparently not there yet. He's gone. They're gone to pick him up or whatever. But he says, on the bright side, the walls of your town are safe again. And I was like, oh, I'm going to like him. (laughs) It was funny, but like, I was like, it felt maybe because Melissa isn't here and she's possessing me again. 
I was like, that sounded a little condescending to me. I was just, she. It, okay. So it was just a tad condescending, but I don't think he meant it to be condescending. I think, no, I think he, he was trying to be, to be funny, like, but. Especially I, because he hasn't told her yet. Like that he, so. Yeah, and, that he, yeah. That, which is probably why I also was just like, shut up, dude. Yeah, so w- the first time I watched it, I thought it was more condescending. The second, the second time, time I watched it, I was like, oh, he's, he's just being, being cute. He's being cute. Uh, I, I, my first thought was like, you're lucky you're beautiful. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> so we do then find out that he heard the way that she said her name on the tip hotline and it immediately made him interested in her. Like, who is this person that would think that by saying their name, it would mean something to the cops? So he looked into Nancy. So this whole time she's come in and she's like, I'm Nancy. This is why I'm important. He already knew. (laughs) And I said, you know what? That's on good deduction skills, though. If he can hear that in a phone call. Well, he's a profiler, right? It's true. um, That's literally what he does. And then he listed his credentials and it made me wonder how old he's supposed to be. <laughs> yeah, because he said technically she's been solving crime longer than him, which LOL. Because... Well, and then, but also he said that when he finished his psychology residency and I was like, like medical residency, like you're a doctor? Exactly. Uh, <laughs> so we don't really know how old he's supposed to be, but he does say that as a psychiatrist, a psychologist or whatever, a profiler, that it's very, very important to basically not be biased and to have objectivity and that she can't do that because she's a local and she's a Hudson. So I appreciate your offer, but I'm going to decline it. But I appreciate your civic engagement. That's important to me. <laughs> which is And cute, I was like, also- you're going to regret this. Uh, yeah, well, I was going <laughs> to say, which is cute in theory, but one won't work. And two, Nancy's pretty goddamn objective. Like, I don't... I I agree with that. I I understand that she she is a local. She has feelings about Horseshoe Bay, right? And she is a Hudson. But Nancy is very much just in it for the truth, whatever that truth might be. Yeah, and because I know look he, at all the truths that she's come she's, to that she didn't really want to know. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and I understand he doesn't know that because he doesn't know her. And logically, what he's saying makes sense. makes sense. Yeah, like it any if if she weren't nancy in the nancy that we love and know yeah what he would saying would probably be true anyone else in her shoes wouldn't be objective but everyone else would also be blinded by other like more human things yeah and, but nancy's like drip, she's hard hardwired different <laughs> and um, she is and he doesn't he just doesn't know that yet and so it's really interesting because I was offended on Nancy's behalf. <laughs> I was just like, oh, How she's dare so you say objective. She can't be At that moment, she gets a message that her Columbia admission letter has arrived, but that's the last thing we see. We then cut to Nick and George. They're somewhere random. We don't really know where it is. And Nick seems nervous, right? And George comes up. She says, I'm glad you're finally ready to talk. She's super angry. And all of a sudden, music starts playing. And George says, who the heck is playing cabinet fan? And Nick says, why do we find out? When I saw Nick nervous, I knew what was going to happen. When the music started playing, I was like, oh my gosh, he's going to make it a whole production. (laughs) He leads her into a warehouse. The whole Drew crew is there with her sisters and Florence. And Ace and Bess have bought her gifts. 
Jesse says, you know, and now here we are in front of everyone like you always wanted and deserved. And she hits a button, flowers fall from the ceiling, Bess starts throwing confetti, and Nick gets down on his knee and says, my answer is yes, it always has been with my whole heart. But he wanted to say yes with a gift that would say something more and he gives this beautiful speech. He says, I'm never saying goodbye to you in this life or the next. And he says, he's sorry it couldn't happen earlier, but Victoria was in China to find cultural marriage gifts for them, including some beautiful hairpins, by the way. And her grandfather sent Mandarin ducks because they mate forever. And for those of you who have forgotten, this is extremely significant because mm-hmm. she did not put her relationship with Nick on social media for the longest time because she was afraid that her grandfather wouldn't approve. And yeah, here he is shows, sending gifts. Yeah, I was like, which shows kind of a wrench into my previous prediction that her that family was going to be a big obstacle for them this season. At least the fans, right? George's family seemed to be yeah. really on board with this marriage. We still don't know what Nick's family is going to be like, the Nickerson, so we'll find out. But uh, I really thought, she some of her family members and I was thinking about her grandfather were really going to disapprove of this marriage and that was going to be something that they had to deal with it turns out no (laughs) no but we still we could still see some things and get in the way of Mm -hmm. their complete happiness so he says he's sorry and can't uh, she hope he hopes she can forgive his slow response due to international shipping delays delays and the ring having to be resized and she says I think I need a week to think about this. And everybody's like, what? And she's like, no, I'm just kidding. And he puts well, on I thought the it ring. was hilarious. <laughs> it was hilarious. But he puts on the ring and I put, they're beautiful and perfect. And I love them so much. That and I put, oh, one of our bingo cards. Uh, Nick already bought something expensive. <laughs> also, we can put on our bingo card that we already had a Fanson couple goals moment. Yeah. This is couple what, goals. Which so. one, Kennedy? Um, commented under our tweet she said you can definitely have one or more I was just like we have like four already from our bingo card I know it's so great but Nancy is going to get sparkling cider in her car and Ace offers to help her carry it and she says yes so when they go outside he's like okay what's wrong with you and she's like I don't know what you mean he is like no normally you would be like it's not that heavy or something like that but no you actually said yes to me helping you carry it so what's wrong And she says, maybe it's exceptionally heavy cider. And he says, or maybe something's on your mind. And this reminded me a lot of uh, the um, season one when Owen was still alive. And she says, maybe they're lucky pennies. (laughs) And that, that, that line reminded me of that. But she says, you know, it's not about George and Nick. And I, I put in all caps, was he worried? That it was he might have been because yeah especially since you know she and nick were a thing at one time were a thing and and it was and it's an interesting interesting thought process because um she he's not totally off base right given the last episode of season two when she, her conversation with nick and the dreamscape like she's mm-hmm. she's mad not mad but upset that nick chose george over her and this is like the most at, or was way. at one point at one point yeah. like definite no 
choosing someone over like he chose George over everybody, right? And so he, it's not like Ace was totally off base. He's just well, and also. <laughs> We've seen a lot of Ace and Nick over the seasons and Ace kind of comparing himself to Nick. Yeah. And the security of that. Like, and so a part of me wonders if that plays in a bit to his whole, like, oh, well, Nancy couldn't possibly have feelings for me type thing. Yeah. The the drawing scene from season two comes to mind. (laughs) Yeah, for sure. And he's like, show off. But she tells him she didn't get into Columbia, no wait list, nothing. She just didn't get in. And he says, he's sorry. And she says, I just don't understand why they didn't want me. And he says that it's their loss and that some other school is going to see right away how amazing she is. And I said, are we still talking about Columbia? Of course are we? we're not. Are you kidding me? <laughs> and it's extra obvious because this is a conversation between Ace and Nancy. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> And, you know, he says, do you want to talk about it? And she says, I don't know. I also want to point out in this scene, Ace comes in closer to Nancy and and she pulls away and turns around. Like she cuts off that access. Yeah. And Ace looks upset about it. And And we know, right, that she's doing that because she has feelings for Ace. Ace has a girlfriend and she's like, I can't let you comfort me like that right now because you have a girlfriend and I have feelings for you and I'm obviously trying to move past them. Ace does not know that and he looked real put out. Like he's yeah, he was and, like, and, you know, he like shook a little bit. He was like, he, he, you know he was what? shook and understandably so because as I mentioned in my response to you in your in the tweet, right? He doesn't un, he doesn't have this context. Like we understand what Nancy's doing and and in a logical way it we support her because this makes sense, right? Yeah, because you're she's trying, trying to be a good person. <laughs> she's trying to be a good person. And if she were my friend and she came to me with these feelings, like that's what I would advise her to do. You want to stay friends with him. I would don't cut him off completely, but don't allow for those really intimate moments because then you'll never get over you'll never get over it right and so um and we have that context and we support nancy and we are understanding of her in this scene ace doesn't have any of that and given the fact that all of season one and season two he has become her closest friend like they have become very close and they have have lots of intimate moments where he holds her hand as she goes through like a rape ceremony like yeah and all of that stuff he he probably feels cut off completely even though we know he's not right he's still the person she's talking to mm-hmm. like he's still she's still sharing some of her feelings to ace and it makes you think right that nancy pulling away from him in this way is going to be part of that wake-up call for him of you know wait what is she wait no why why are why are you pulling away like him realizing that the reason why yeah. that is so hurt is because he has feelings for her yeah not and not to mention like not just that but when he starts to see that she's then going to someone else for some of those moments he's gonna realize how romantic those moments were from the beginning like for sure even if if it was unintentionally romantic tension when they were having them Mm -hmm. that's what it was and so when he starts seeing Nancy seek out those moments with someone that isn't him then he's going to be like oh wait it's because it's romantic it's always been romantic 
because we've never been platonic friends. Some people yeah. just can't be platonic friends. Yeah, agreed. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I'm just going to leave that one there. So <laughs> they walk and they see the cat carrier on the ground that the Ooh. cat had been in earlier. And she says, it's a sign from the universe to stay in Horseshoe Bay and find missing cats. And A starts to say, I don't know that that's a sign. I feel like a sign would be more like, and then they see a body on her car. And that's it's a sign. the missing frat boy. His heart is frozen and gone. So we have a second body in episode one. This is, <laughs> is our gore. We see later that the police have arrived, including Detective Park. And Bess says it's clear the killer is taunting Nancy, which, yes, Bess, very, very good way to point that out. But <laughs> Nancy is apologizing for interrupting, you know, George and Nick's moment. Darlene is there. So the local from earlier, she is still there. And she asked Detective Park, like, what are you going to do to catch this killer? And he gives her a non-answer, right? Standard FBI issue answer, nothing helpful at all. So she turns to Nancy. And she's like, well, what do you think, Nancy? And so Detective Park looks at her and it's like he, you can see the psychologist in him during this scene. Yeah. Like when he looks at Nancy the way he does and she steps forward and she's like, I know you're all scared, but the truth's out there and the cops are going to find it. And she says, and what if they don't, will you? And Detective Park is still looking at her and it's like, man, he is psychoanalyzing her right now. And before, and Ace being the good boyfriend that he is, <laughs> realizes that she doesn't quite know the answer to that. And he gives her an out, right? He's like, come on, let's go. Yeah. And, and I think, and I, I can't help but wonder if a part of that is that she knows Park's looking at her and she it knows. It definitely is. Yeah, but also and, and in that moment, Park realizes I am going to have to work with her because if I do not, I will not have the cooperation of the community. And that just proves how much smarter he is in the previous detectives we've had who have been so unwilling to use the locals. He's, he's realizing this really strange dynamic, right? That the, the, this local community has a distrust of the police because of Nancy and she she's discovered corruption right she would not only you know has she been solving their cases since she was 12 but yeah she literally discovered police station just like yeah Mm -hmm. corruption Corruption. um so like she she helped with the corruption that the Hudson's had for when they had people mm-hmm. on their payroll, she discovered the covered the up reparations murders. she's doing, like yeah, she found and justice for um, so, uh, the girl that went missing. Like she's mm-hmm. done so many things. And so it's interesting, right? Um, because Darlena, this isn't the first time we've seen her. If I remember correctly, she was in season two for that same Connor episode, right? Isn't she one of the, is she is that her for some reason i think it's her i don't know i could be wrong but um you know and she's not just any citizen she's in the on on town council so she has yeah so when you hear someone of that position within this you know hierarchy of the town the hierarchy of the town telling so asking you asking the police a question and then when they're not satisfied with an answer they ha- they unlike many other towns and cities have an out because they have an antsy 
So uh-huh. she just is like, okay, whatever. If you're not going to give me an answer, I'm just going to go over here. Yeah. And so it was, it was a very interesting scene where I think it was deliberately put there to help detective park realize I've got to work with Nancy. Yeah. And, and it's just a reminder, especially when you think about that, this is, this is the scene that the town realized that maybe the police aren't using Nancy so they immediately vote her in as to get her into the station yeah. like emergency Which meeting leads us to our next scene right it's we're at the, at the end of the episode at this point and there's a cute moment where Ryan and Carson are with the Drew crew and they're all eating something and Ryan's like this is why I add variety and Carson's like I should have trust you and I was like oh my god these two I love them so yeah. much I was like Carson has a lot to teach Ryan but there are some things Ryan can teach Carson exactly but Ace and Nancy are on the stairs and I'm having clueless vibes and she says you know I have a list of backup schools but I was so sure that Columbia was the one and Ace says, well, you know, so go somewhere else if that's what you want. And again, are we still talking about Columbia? I don't think we are. I was like, the answer is no, clearly. No. And so she says that she can start supplemental essays that weekend. And he offers to proofread and it's cute. And then there's a knock on the door again. This time, though, when Nancy goes to answer with her baseball bat, it is Darlene. And she's like, oh, my God, I'm so sorry. But Darlene tells Nancy that they had an emergency meeting and unanimously voted her to be the community police liaison. And she says it's mostly relaying notes, but there's room for independent projects at your discretion. And she says there's nobody in town who can do what you do. You're a homegrown sleuth. And I'm like tearing up again. I I did tweet this. I was like, Horseshoe Bay really loves and appreciates Nancy. I, I was like, I'm tearing up. Yeah, because I think one of the reasons why she wanted to leave was because, yeah, she doesn't get a lot of that, really. And especially after she recanted her Hudson story, a lot of people turned their back, which is difficult when you spend all of your childhood helping other people do very difficult, traumatic things. And everyone immediately turns your back after one one decision you made. And so when, when you have that and you have someone, and again, of that hierarchy, right, she's, she's on the town council. She's speaking for the most important people in Horseshoe Bay, telling her that every one of them wants her, mm-hmm. like needs her, appreciates and, her. And recognizes her value, not just to deliver notes, right? She added in that line of like, you can do things at your discretion, and yeah, so that was basically their way of approving her being involved with police matters. Yeah, and and I in, I mean, and given the previous scene, right? You know that Darlene has zero trust that Park can solve. I this. wouldn't either, especially as a black woman. We've seen yeah, both, and they, so they black women in that community. Yeah, and given how Nancy, Ryan, and Nick solved that missing woman's murder, yeah, I would trust Nancy. <laughs> I wouldn't even trust Ryan over the police at that point. Yep. So Nancy tells everyone she knows she got the job and she announces that she is staying in Horseshoe Bay. She says it's where she belongs. It's her home. It's her heart. And she's not going to run from it anymore. I'll grow where I've been planted. And there's a special close up of Ace's face. And he looks so happy 
to hear not her just say happy that. he looks relieved relieved and happy yeah um because happiness means okay great like i'm happy that you are you know coming to terms with what happened to you relieved means that he was not Actively worried about her she wouldn't leave. <laughs> yeah she she was like he, he was worried at what will happen to him and to her if she left him like yeah. it's just they're they've they're just so different feelings and different implications and yes he had both but the relieved one makes me very excited as a nace fan <laughs> yep. he was so relieved he clearly he was. was i was like maybe that's why his road trip only lasted a week i was like what kind of road trip only lasts a week yeah because apparently he came back and she still stayed so you know but this whole episode was great for nace fans i'm really excited about what we have coming up yeah and the scene ends though with her mentioning temperance and carson's like huh so again she has forgotten to catch her dad up on the hudson of it all it's but a habit they'll have to break now that carson and ryan seem to be very much in in the know and yeah. it does that thing the show does right where it mentions something and then immediately after we see the subject and it does that a lot i love it though it's great and so we see Temperance. She's at Icarus Hall. She has the cat. So she has the cat that was missing from the carrier from earlier. And she it's dead. So she cuts it open and takes out its heart. She squeezes the blood out of it onto what appears to be a map. And then it ends. And I put TBD vibes. I know you haven't watched The Vampire Diaries. But for those of you that have, it very much reminded me of the episode of The Originals where uh, she performs the spell to separate. No, it was The Vampire Diaries. But it was like about The Originals, the episode where, and she she has all their blood and the tree. Yeah, anyways, if you know what I'm talking about. Anyways. but <laughs> To me, that was just the cruelest thing this show has done. I, me, I'm a cat mom. Yes, and- it was very cruel. But to me, I was like red herring. I mean, obviously, for sure. Yeah. Like it was definitely set up to make Temperance look like the Frozen Heart Killer again. She's, I don't Harry, think she is. She's, she's the obvious choice, which means it's not her. So let's move on to Easter eggs. And I put it's not really related to the plot, but Book One Hundred Three of Nancy Drew, which I had not read but I did a little research. It was published in 1995. I've read most of the original ones. This one's like a, a latecomer. It's titled Heart of Ice. Ooh. So feels like maybe inspiration for the Frozen Yeah, Heart it seems like at least a little callback. Yeah, at least the call out, right? They were looking at the Nancy Drew titles, trying to figure out like what would be a great idea for a serial killer. Mm-hmm. Also, I want to reach out a uh, shout out to Marianne on Twitter, who reached out to me again about an Easter egg. I love Marianne. She always, this is twice now. She's given me an Easter egg that I've missed. So I love Woo! it. And she says, hi, Allie, it's me again. I've got another Easter egg for you. If you're interested in celestial visitor, Tom Swift's license plate is 07011910. This is July 1, 1910, the copyright date of the first Tom Swift book, Tom Swift and his motorcycle. She says, I can't take credit for finding that, but I'm passing it along because I thought it was interesting. As always, you guys rock. Keep it up. Can't wait for season three. So thanks, Marianne. Thank you. That's a cool one. Easter egg man celestial visitor was chock full of easter eggs yeah it it was yeah and it wasn't the taser one but it led to the taser one which was great but so those are our easter eggs for this episode moving on to ratings 
today we're dating the episode on a scale of one to five mysteriously missing sorbets. <laughs> one being garbage, five being iconic. Where do you rate this episode? Okay, this was a great opener. And I don't want to rate it too high, seeing it's the first episode of the season. But I am giving it a 4.25 missing sorbets because I gave it a 4.25. No way! I I love that for us. I love this. It was a wonderful episode. It had the iconic entrance of Temperance. Like, could it be more perfect? Agent Park's great. I already love him. I love John as a an addition, um, all of the little dad moments, both between Cars- just Carson and Ryan, but also Carson, Ryan, Bess, and Nancy as a little family unit uh-huh. were great. Um, and like all of the nice content, all of it. Just give me all of it, please. And temperance. And temperance. Temperance was also an amazing addition to this cast. Bo, you're so great. good. And you. I mean, also the George and Nick proposal scene was like literally. Beautiful. Oh, I thought that one was without saying. Like best couple moment on the show so far. It was, it was great. Yeah. I mean, I'll just, I mean, I, and I tweeted this at the end. I was just like temperance and park are great. You know, Fanson is beautiful. You know, Nancy's the love of my life. (laughs) Romance is in the air. It's, it's going to be a great season. They've already told us it's going to be a really romantic season, which is exciting. We haven't really had a lot of romance focus on the show. Yeah, so I love some good relationship building, some romance. I love uh, some gothic romance. Give it to me. I mean, right. But also, I just want to add, this is going to be a running thing for me. I think this season, my NACE rating for this episode is a solid 4.75. <laughs> um, it's not a five because I feel like there's room for more um, more growth there. I don't want to give it I mean, you know, five. The five has the to be given when they finally smush faces. Also, though, like this, this episode was just chock full of anvils of like, hey, just in case you missed it, we're not talking about Columbia. Hey, just in case you missed it, we're not talking about uh, Nick and George. We're talking about Nancy and Ace. So there were a lot of those moments. I live for those moments. Give me more of them. I will be very happy. Yeah, they think they're good. All right. Now we get to do our very first. Dual predictions. Do you want to go first seeing it's your first one? Uh, sure. So a lot of mine are going to uh, throw back to what I was talking about in our live yesterday. I think the Nancy and Ace arc for this season is setting up for uh, an Ace and Amanda breakup mid-season. And I feel like I can say this is also Teresa territory too. Like we came mm-hmm. up with a lot of these together. Yeah, and- I agree. And I think Nancy and Ace will get together by the end. And we talked about that a lot this episode with the detective. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. But yeah, so that's my my Nace prediction from the season. They're definitely going to get together by the end of the season with the pace we're headed now, which is exciting. Uh, George and Nick, I definitely think there's going to be some tension between them because one, this is way too happy of a start and we've got to have some tension. But I think that with Nick saying what he did this episode about how um, – was the exact quote about something like nothing will get in the way of them or uh, something yeah like that. or something like that uh we're definitely gonna have some tension with nick not giving up on a way to save george i think george is very much at this point just accepted it 
And Nick is going to be like, no, I'm not accepting it. And that's going to cause some tension between the two of them. Mm -hmm. Uh, Bess definitely has not let Odette go. And we talked about this yesterday. I think Temperance is going to use that as a way to draw her into magic because we think that the Marvins were involved with the women in white. So Bess has that natural magical ability. And so Temperance is going to use her love for Odette to kind of draw her in because we know that Temperance likes to play with death. Yeah. And, and so, you know, I agree with you. So. Yep. And so I feel like those, uh, at least the best and the Nancy and Ace when Teresa probably agrees with me on, um, and then Carson and the DA getting together because they're both old fashioned. Yep. We talked about that. The guy in the woods, the prophetic thing talked about that. So a lot of mine, I got to talk about in the show. Um, so do you want to do yours and then we'll both talk about who we picked for temperance? Oh, for the uh, prophecies. Yes. Yeah. So um, and like, and you covered a lot of them, right? I agree with temperance trying to, or promising best to like help Odette with the body or, you know, somebody reeling her in with her love for Odette. Um, we know we talked about George and, you know, and Nick a little bit. Um, we, the whole Ace and Nancy and how that relationship's gonna um, play out. Play out Stop and- Wolf like my tweet. Okay. I'm sorry. Who? Stop Wolf. Just like <laughs> I, I am so happy. And it's the video I took last night before the episode. Oh my God, I'm so embarrassed. But he liked it, so I'm so happy. I'm good, I'm fine. It's fine, continue. Um, <laughs> and <laughs> no, that's really exciting actually. Okay, um, and so we have, you know, some of those things that we agree with and then, but some extra stuff that I picked up on that I think are gonna be interesting. I feel like part of the Amanda and Ace breakup has to do with Mr. Bopsy, of course. Oh, yeah, um, for sure. For, for sure. sure. And I'm sure you agree with that. You just probably just didn't go into the details. Something that um, kind of stuck out to me a little bit was um, that I think might be interesting is Temperance saying that the Icarus Hall was her property. It was on her property and she owned that land. And I wonder if that means she has a connection to the road back or like the, the Icarus phantoms in some way. Um, and if that means that the awakening that we mentioned in the podcast earlier is a sign that Matthew Bork might be connected to the road back. And if the serial killer that we see might be connected to the road back um, as a way to counteract or to investigate Temperance's return um, is something that I'm interested in playing around with in my head a little bit. Oh yeah, for sure. That's, that's um, the the idea uh, or the name that stuck out to me, and I remember back in se- the beginning of season two, I said that Carson's clients were going to be important. That never really shook out, but I'm going to bring it back for season three, and I wonder if Carson and his clients are going to become useful um, or be a part of the story, Definitely especially if. Yeah, money-wise, but also given the Ace storyline and where that's going. Yeah. Um, and Asher Davies as the client that uh, he's representing that Gene specifically wants to speak to and whether or not that's going to cause problems for Ace. And, and of course, because he's so interconnected with Nancy for Nancy and the rest of the Drew crew and what that means um, is a few things that I'm also playing around with. On top of everything you've already said, of course. Yeah. All right. So now we're going to get into real quick is the last part of the podcast. It's been really long, I know, but it's kind of the premiere. So probably expect premiere and finale to be longer to than be the long. Rest. Yeah. 
So Temperance gave predictions on the six predictions for the six people. So now we're going to put, and I think that we shouldn't do any explanations. Just, just say, say the person. Yep. Just say the okay. person that it fits with. So we're going to predict who we think fits with each of the six predictions. And so, I mean, and we, and we might bring this back every episode until they happen to see, to yeah. see if anything has changed based on new information. <laughs> okay. So the one who will be the other's demise. Do you want me to go first? Yeah. I picked Nick. I put Nick. <laughs> okay. That's probably going to be the only one we agree on. <laughs> okay. So the one who will betray their true love. I picked Nancy. I put George. Ooh, okay. Okay. So the one who will lose their heart. I picked George. I put Ace. Okay. Uh, the one who will wreak havoc on town. I would, I picked Ace. I picked Bess. Okay. All right. And the one who will forsake what is dearest to you. I picked Ryan. I picked Ryan. Okay. Another right. So we got two in common. And then the one who will fulfill their destiny and will cause the rest to fall. I you clearly put, picked Bess. And I picked Nancy. And I told her, I said, Nancy feels a little too obvious, but the rest of them really fit in my mind, which left Nancy with that one. You, uh, so. There are a couple of uh, the, the ones that you picked that I was also considering before I landed on the ones that I picked. Yeah. Um, Bess, the one that you picked for Bess especially. Yeah. So, you know, my, our thoughts with the magic or whatever mm-hmm. made me think the wreak havoc. So anyways, yeah. those are our predictions for this episode. Also make sure you check out our bingo card, which kind of plays as predictions, right? Yeah. Yeah. We, we, and, we, to- and shout out to Melissa who also helped us with the bingo card. Yes. <laughs> so we've got to cross a couple of things off and update that tomorrow. So we'll put that out on social to give you an updated bingo card, but yay. So that's all we have for you today. It was a little bit long, like I said, but we had a lot to go over for a premiere episode. Make sure you follow us on social media. We're at Twitter uh, on Twitter at Making a Drood, also on Instagram at Making a Drood. You can find me personally on Twitter at Slowburn Mac, like Nace, right? And I have a Nace profile pic and a banner. So if you find me, that's me. And you can find Twitter, uh, Teresa, where? You can find me both on Twitter and Instagram as T-E-R-E underscore D-V 95. My profile picture is just my face and my banner is uh, something I wrote. (laughs) You don't want to see my face. It's fine. It's usually always post-workout face. So it's never attractive, (laughs) but so Make sure you follow us on social media. If you're listening to us on Apple Podcasts, drop us a a lovely review and a rating. We would be very appreciative of that. And until next time, we'll catch you later, Drews. Bye.